You're listening to 1232, an audio epic produced by Rumblestump Entertainment. Prologue. 817 A.D. The wind blew debris into my eyes and face. I held my hand up to shield it from the destructive gale. In vain, it made a poor helm against the tempest. The gale billowed through my cloaks and no amount of layers kept me from its chill. And it was to get worse. I perceived by the signs in the sky or truly the lack thereof. No birds, all were away and nested for the night. No stars, for they too had tucked themselves from my sight. Nestled not in twigs and branches, but in angry clouds that were just as woven as the delicate wren's nest. I, however, had no choice. The flaming tree atop Snowden spoke to me and I couldn't turn back. My sister, who knew the secrets of the air and had feigned to manipulate it often, surely she was behind my slow ascent up the jagged peak. I would make one final stop at the mirrored lake and speak with my counselor, my father's sister, before I made the last leg of the journey. A mighty sign from the gods would come this evening. A fortnight ago, darkness had fallen over the moon and then upon the sun, leaving us without light for a day. This sacred event sent me and my tribe to the hills to find refuge among the trees. Valleys were cursed places to reside when the gods and goddesses chose to speak. Get higher, clearer the fog of men's minds. Seek the voice. Up to the mountains you must go, the words my druid priest. From birth, this earth had marked me as one of its own. To change, to manipulate, to call and be called by it. When reports had reached us of the burning tree, I knew it was the earth seeking me. An eclipse of both sun and moon meant the boy would be born soon his bloodline tied to mine forever. But how? My legacy to Britannia, to Cumbria, and even Caledonia lay in the hands of a mere bastard. We would band together and slay the brutes that now roamed our lands upon their own isles in their own beds. What sweet justice? I licked my lips. The wind blowing them dry and the taste of vengeance filled my mouth like actual food. I knew then I could conjure the strength to continue. Each step swept me away as the wind whistled without mercy its evil tune. Whipping my long hair about my eyes, poking my eyeballs and filling my ears with stinging cold. Within a few strides I reached the lake. She would not hear my incantation, my voice no competition for the wind, but I must pray to the goddesses to show me favor. I paused, held my arms up against the gale. I summoned the goddesses most faithful from the water, my aunt, the Lady of the Lake, so named by the Order of Avalon, had earned the title. Her shifting could be in different parties of water, 
tales of there being only one lake in which she dwelled often made me laugh. The Christians believed she was a demon that their Jewish saviour had cast into a pig. That pig then begged to be thrown into the ocean and not sent to the undying land of fire beneath our feet. Hell. This granted, the swine dove off a cliff, landing in the waters of the Middle East, to ever become a spirit. Annihilate, bound by the elements of this earth. I yelped as I stepped into the icy lake. Oh! Oh! Oh, Lord! Oh! It mirrored the ominous tempest in the sky. A thunderclap greeted me. And I smiled up at the angry clouds as lightning struck the water. I repeated my chant. Another strike, and there before me... On the surface of the lake in the blue glow of electric water stood my aunt. I laughed to myself as she effortlessly strode across, leaving ripples in her wake. What now, Christian God? Only you can walk on water. Nephew. She called, raising a hand to me somberly. Her voice was low and rumbled in her chest. Her long blonde hair clung to her elegant frame. She wore a dress of moss with little river pebbles glinting on it like diamonds. My lady, I bowed low. My beard had just grown long enough to catch the wind. You ascend the mountain for the words from the burning tree. A mighty catastrophe reigns from above tonight in the realm of man. I warn you. If you withstand it, you will succeed. If you cower, you will fail. The boy will fail, and his family will never come to pass. What will rain down? I asked a hint of fear in my voice. I had mastered my cracking throat. As my body changed, so did my powers, and I felt a surge of them now. My body tingled, and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up in the presence of another mage. My skin rose in harpulation, and my stomach growled as learning magic made it hungry. She reached the water's edge and gave me her hand. An opulent ring graced her index finger, a fresh pearl. It glinted playfully, reflecting the stormy weather above us. I reached out and kissed her wide, glossy hand. The ring, a present from the god of water, Lotwin tells me there will be an uprising in heaven, and the Creator will cast out celestial armor belonging to our Liberator. Often I wondered why she, Dylan, Blotwin, Gatian, and Ginapneath, along with all the others, pretended to have more power than they did. With each encounter I'd learned they all feared one deity, the Great Father, the Creator they called him. Somehow he, though there were many of them, above all else caused them to tremble. When I asked for his name during many instructional lessons, they would cower and go silent. On one occasion, Mahmahonwe, my incantationist, told me that the Great Father has no name, but simply exists. He is. 
I am. He responded in utter fear and dread. Peace above all, but our liberator will thwart his plans. This creator created mankind, your kind, and cursed us to this wretched earth, never to dwell in the heavens again. This will change as more of your kind worship our father, which I am called the deceiver. But we know him as our liberator. My memory faded as the voice of the Lady of the Lake continued. Lotwin read our sister moon. The lunar signs are clear. Tonight he casts down the sacraments of our father. This is your chance, my nephew, to take your place. Claim this armor. Forge with it the weapon that will destroy our enemies. Give you everlasting life and bring us the greatest pagan king history will ever know, Arthur Pendragon. She drew herself to her full height, her hair now dried from the wild wind. The tempest swept around like a cyclone. She raised her arms and gave me her blessing. Come to me when you have this armor, and I will help you pursue your fate. She yelled as she sank back into the depths of the lake, her voice carried on in the wind. The moon shot out from a cloak of the clouds and shone on the path that I was to take illuminated by snow on the peak. I put my back to the wind, rewrapped my cape, tightened my leather belt and faced my destiny. For a long while I walked head straight into the wind itself. I cursed it and couldn't wait for the day when I would master her. My people had named all the elements. Wind was the name given to the unpredictable wind. I pressed on till I was on the second highest ridge. Now the path became more treacherous. There were no game or sheep trails this high, just rock and shale. Gwent changed directions, but she did not laugh. She howled. My hands were numb and my feet ached. My legs shook as I tried to take a solid step despite the wind's constant blowing to push me right off the reach line. The darkness made the details of the valley below obscure. I closed my eyes and imagined myself as a part, flying high and catching the draft down. One day, I would master shape-shifting. In a vision, I had received my animal guide, the hawk. For a moment, the night vision flashed 
and flickered as I opened my eyes. I could almost do it. Again I tried. This time the land below was grey, and I could see the trees bending and branches snapping from Quint's mighty breath. She, the wind, was playing with the earth below me. The vision faded. All went black again. Prostrated, I slumped down and felt no relief from the biting squall. I reached into my robes and pulled out hunk bread. Munching on it, I waited for the great father to throw down the armor from Kithruhal, or Contreras, as the Romans called him. Lucifer, as they called him in the Christian world. Sometimes, a pang of foolishness would strike me. These rituals, climbing mountains to talk with burning bushes, tingled with fabrication. But this was the way. This I had accepted. I finished my food and mustered my strength to stand. The force of the tumultuous wind forcing me backward. I cursed the air. The tree, a hazel, sat atop the smooth stone, burning bright like a beacon. I made it to the summit that was covered in smooth, dark stone, slightly wet from the moisture in the air. The hazel tree was unaffected by the wind and burned with a warming glow. The sight would have set a normal human on edge, a burning tree that was not burning. But I was at ease. I approached and said a prayer to Gofhanan, the god of fire, but nothing transpired. I repeated it louder, asking him to communicate with me through the flaming leaves. Still nothing. Turning my back, I cursed the tree. Mirdan. I heard someone see my name. I whirled around, my fists up in a defensive position. The voice was strange and unknown to me. Seeing no one, I called out to Govan and again, great god of fire and alchemy, speak to me this night. I could barely hear my own voice through the storm. Mirdan. It said again. I searched the tree and saw the flames pulse as it the hazel said my name. Yes, I responded suspiciously. Mirdan, turn from this life of evil. Take off your leather boots. You stand on holy ground. Holy ground? Take off my boots? You are not Gofanin. What evil do you speak of? I follow the ways of the gods and the goddesses, the masters of earth. Men of pride, do you not know me? From your study of my creation, do not see me. Why believe these false spirits? You? You are the Great Father? The Creator? I am. The voice crackled like fire. A shiver went up my spine. It is you who must answer me. I am Myrdin Amorous. Never forget my name. I am the son of my father and mother, believers in Thrull, our earthly father, prince of the air, of principalities and spirits. 
Why are you not on your lofty throne in heaven? What do you want with me? I felt an anger broiling within me, a threatening fit of rage, a test to prove my fealty. Had not my aunt mentioned such a thing? I resolved to stand firm and not cower. I will not debase myself by removing my boots, I responded forcefully, believing my answer to be defiant. I stood resolute to show no weakness. Mirden, do you Don't not know me? me? The voice was not forceful, instead an underlying tone of sadness. You are the god of Christians, aren't you? If you are so powerful, put out the wind and restore this hazel tree without scars from the fire. I demanded proof, lest this be a trick from the gods and goddesses. Myrden, do, do not, not test, test me. me. This time the fire grew in size and a gust of wind blew me back. You believe that there are masters of this universe. Your people have named the elements given themselves over to the spirits and devils. I have said my story of forgiveness, of love, of the truth all around you, and you choose to twist it to your own gain, dividing up this earth into the spoils for wicked men. I recalled the words of my aunt. If you cower, you will fail. This was a test, and I wouldn't yield. I will not listen to these lies. If you want me to believe you, prove yourself. I deny you, great father. I have power. You do not. The earth trembled beneath me. Myrden, I have claimed you. I will show you the wonders of the universe, and I will use you to bless whom I will bless. You can wander, but none escape the truth. The voice was not angry, but kind. I paused. My heart took several leaps in my chest. The fire went out, and I stood shaking in my boots. My breathing became uneasy. The tree was perfectly green and untouched by the flames. I straightened my back. I had defied my tempter. Thunder and lightning flashed, and the mountain shook. I fell to the ground, catching myself on my wrists, spraining them. The clouds peeled asunder like a scroll, and out of heaven came flaming orbs headed straight for me. I wanted to run, to shield myself, but I knew I must stay on the mountain. The orbs shattered into many lights across the sky streaking its dark surface. One by one, they splintered off, heading for other places on the earth. I wondered if there were other bards in training on other hilltops facing the unknown. Still, one dazzling orange thing came racing at me. A loud boom, louder than any thunderclap, echoed across the sky and made my heart tremble. Brighter the orb became, and then within seconds it hit the peak. I shouted a protection spell. 
My reaction was late. The force threw me several yards down the mountain. Boulders splintered and shattered. The smooth slab atop the summit was now reduced to sharp, jagged rocks protruding from the earth. The wind had stopped blowing. All was still. A crackling noise, like a fire of pure pitch, was all I could make out. My ears were ringing as I began climbing back to the top. The rocks I touched as I managed on all fours were hot in my hands. The heavenly orb still burned. I half expected a human form with the breastplate like a Roman to be in the middle, but a large rock with massive indentations was all that was there. It burned and crackled. The rock glowed like a blacksmith's blade in the forge. It was then I knew what I must make. I had resigned to wait for the rock to burn out, but the earth was uncertain and quivered in the aftershock. The glowing orb was on the ledge of the mountain, and though dug deep into the earth, the shale beneath gave way. With magical force, it tumbled down the mountainside. To my horror, it dove carving into the face of a cliff headed for the lake. It scorched a trail of gravel and small stone plowing right into the water. I ran after it, sliding and slipping, almost losing an ankle to the twist and turns of the treacherous slope. Heaving and winded, I sat at the base of the peak with the smoking stone. Waves had come up from the lake. It would be larger now by the sheer force of the heavenly stone slamming into the soft earth. I stepped into the water, which was now like a hot spring the stone warming the surface. I would need means to break apart this rock, but my work would not end there. I reached out my hand, touched the shiny grey exterior, but quickly retracted. It was still as hot as red coal from the fire. I looked around the lake. Either the landslide had killed my aunt, or she had moved on to another pot of water. I lifted my arms, my breath more steady now, and cried out the incantation to summon her. The water rippled, and I saw her smooth alabaster face and bright green eyes emerge from the surface. She wore not the confident expression I was used to, but one of terror. She looked from the mountain's peak to me, and then to the mighty rock. What has happened? Where is the armor? Within this stone from heaven, I believe. A voice came from the burning hazel tree. It was the great father. He asked me to turn away from the spirits of the earth and follow him. To debase myself and take off my boots, saying it was holy ground. My aunt stared at me in fearful wonder. She cleared her throat. Her hands were shaking. And did you? Her voice barely above a whisper. No, I held firm, just as she bade me and did not cower. You humans are privileged. She spoke under her breath. He did not smite you? Almost, with this rock he hurled at me. But he claimed a strange thing that he would use me to bless whom he would bless, and that he would haunt me till I came to call him my father. 
I chatted away, not knowing how to interrupt the awkwardness of my aunt exhumed. We need tools to break this open, I laughed. I'm not sure how I'll find a blacksmith to forge it. No. Tell no one of this. We do it here and now. But we? I turned to her. She was gone. I waited for an hour and could smell the morning coming. A crisp smell filled with flowers and foliage blooming. The waters bubbled and up came my aunt with tools. Sacred tools by the looks of the carvings on them. I had not yet mastered alchemy. I would depend upon her skill to help me make a weapon for a king. Gavanan has given me these. She handed me a hammer with markings and grooves, similar to my own written language. What does this say? I asked, weighing its balance, the head being made of iron and the handle of thick oak wood. These are the written words of my brothers and sisters. No human knows it. She then pulled out an iron wedge. It shimmered in an iridescent pattern of dark blues, purples, and even green, like the back of a beetle. It did not bear the usual markings of a wedge stone. This has been made from the very substance of this terrestrial stone. She held the wedge in her hand. It looked like a mighty knife blade, yet thicker with a flat top, easy to be struck by a hammer. We will create this weapon using ancient tools. The stone was still hot and glowing like the coals in a forge. She placed the wedge on it. The water from her glossy skin sizzled as it hit the fiery surface. I took a deep breath and heaved the hammer above my head, swinging down with all my might. Sparks went flying. <coughs> my aunt never flinched. She clenched her jaw and held fast. I struck again and again till the sun came up and cast shadows upon our work. The birds in the valley had begun their evening song. In time, we hacked off a sizable piece to use for a blade. My arms and shoulders sore from the toilsome swinging. Are we done? I asked, wiping the sweat from my brow. No. Deep within is something I desire. Something I must take to the depths of the sea and fashion in the fires of the core of the earth. What will this desire do? It will control time and we will be like God. She smiled, throwing her head back in a manic motion, absorbing the glory of that endeavor. My eyes widened at the sight and sound. Multiple voices laughed. There she stood, knee-deep in the icy mountain water. Her dress that glowed while wet was now dry and turning a dirty brownish green as the moss dried. The glimmering pebbles were unglazed, dull and less alluring. I shuddered, hearing the words of the flaming tree. These false spirits. At this moment, I questioned the motive of my aunt and the other gods. Mirden! She yelled. I jerked. She scared me, the tone of her voice abrupt. Again! 
Strike the stone! I did as she bade me and slung the hammer. The lump of bread I had eaten earlier was no match for the exertion I spent. Soon I would need nourishment. I was propelled by her nefarious stare. I hammered till it split, and in the center sat a shard so black and polished it looked like a gemstone. It was at least the size of a lamb. She reached in to grab it, and then withdrew. Did you see more of these hit the earth? Yes, three or four. They must have landed on other isles, or the big land beyond the sea. Maybe one in Rome. They scattered. She contemplated, took a deep breath, and plunged her hands in. When the others are forged, we will shape time in our favor and change the past of mankind. What is it? I asked, reaching for the stone. But she kept it from me in a teasing manner. This will become a cattle stone. A carriage stone? Yes, simpleton, in a way. A path will open and this stone will allow you to be carried through, but not just from one place to another like a horse and cart. But through time. A grimest. My aunt had never patronized me before. Come, let us build a fire and make your weapon. She placed the object in the water and grabbed the hunk we had hewn off. I built a makeshift barge as she instructed. She waited passively on a rock that sat in the water. It took till that following evening for the coals to be hot enough. The lady brought more tools, including a small hammer and an iron bar for me to weld the stone from heaven. I began by heating both in the coals till they were white hot. I pulled them out and placed them on the anvil. Into the night I forged the blade that would rule the world, the blade that was tied to my fate and I to it. This sword shall be given to Arthur and to his offspring. As we shaped and folded the iron, my aunt gave an incantation and cut my hand to spill my blood into the sword. It pooled and hissed. The smell was revolting as I hammered it into the molten weapon. Now, as long as this is in the rightful hands of the descendants of the Pendragons, you will live on. You are the guardian of this realm. You will be its master. Never let this sword fail. By the second day, the blade was complete. She brought shells, hazelwood, and jewels to adorn the hilt. Gold from sunken ships, silver from pirated wealth. Into the night I sweated over my masterpiece, my legacy. I would live to keep this sword in the right hands. No power in heaven or hell could stop me from my quest. I would be high priest, druid of druids, pagan of pagans for the glory of this weapon. Arthur need not worry and merely obey 
and all would be well. A sword forged from the heavens, from the armor of Kithril, even to rival the great father. A sword was might. A sword was power. My arms were about to give way as I finished. Then at last, in victory, I held it up for the Lady of the Lake's inspection. She smiled and patted me on the shoulder, her wet hand cold against my neck. You have done well, nephew, Mirden, Emrys of the Isles, champion of Avalon. My chest swelled with pride. She grabbed the blade and sunk it deep into the water. It simmered, steamed and cooled. We hailed it up to the sun. I heard a voice inside my head. And I will use you to bless whom I will bless. And in that moment, an uncomfortable thought crossed my mind. Nothing about my life or destiny was within my control. Was this hunk of iron and heaven stone all there was to live for? Had I not just created a weapon to destroy my fellow man? The sword had an ethereal yet foreboding glow. Something so wondrous should hold nothing but joy for mankind. It was to be their savior. But in my heart, I knew it fell short. Forging such a blade will bring about such consequences that the boy and I would indeed suffer. My aunt's voice broke the silence. A well-made blade. I will hold it until Arthur's ready. I opened my mouth to protest, but a look of warning shut it promptly. And the carol stone? This will stay with me as well. The signs have foretold a priestess is destined to bring them all together. But till then, my people will learn its secrets and will master the universe. She said. I nodded. She took the sword and the stone in hand and walked till she was chest deep in the lake. Farewell, Mirdan. I took one last glance at the glorious blade. My fate my legacy, Excalibur. You've been listening to episode one of 1232, an audio epic produced by Rumble Stump Entertainment, written by Callie Sue and Cheyenne Bell. Today's voice talents include Kevin McDonald as Mirren Imris, Miranda Waldo as Lady of the Lake, and Kevin McDonald as the Voice of God. Episode one was mixed and engineered by Jet Black, with original music composed by Callie Sue and Jet Black with Rumble Stump Entertainment, mastered by Nine Moon Mastering Zach Bryant. This episode was made possible by our generous and incredible backers through Kickstarter. You know who you are. To our knights, our bards, our Welsh bowmen, our wizards, and our chieftains, thank you. Continue the adventure in episode two.